Tell us a little bit about what you saw and, and, and being able to relay that message to Cora when you watched Kimbrell pitch and, and kind of help out so he wasn't uh, tipping his pitches. So tipping pitches, we hear about it all the time. People at home understand what tipping pitches is all about. It's amazing. Man. And that's remarkable. Alex, we're going back to our old ways this week. Last week, we, uh, we broke tradition, and I did not start the podcast by asking you a difficult question. No, we saved all of them to, for, for Jerry Blevins. Exactly, that you had to stammer over the answer for for a couple minutes, and I had to edit down and then make you sound super smooth and super quick with it. This is Jesus! You're just coming with the the poison. It's it's not even noon yet over there on the West Coast. This week, we're going back to one of our favorite old bits, which is Ross Stripling talking about stocks. And you know why? This wasn't even me bringing it up out of turn this time. Usually, when this bit comes back, it's just me making a joke that isn't funny at all. That is usually how this bit goes. This time, it fell right into our laps. A guest column in Sportico from Ross Stripling, the man himself, giving advice on how to invest based on his Major League Baseball experience. Incredible, incredible stuff, just top to bottom. I mean, there's no filler here. I just, or I want to expand my board. <laughs> well, you know, there's some, I, I don't know if there's anything in particular you wanted to to pull out, but um, it's not like compelling writing. So my original thought was right. I would just read through some of the paragraphs, but mm-hmm. like like we do with bad take readings. But the bad take readings, like it's very clearly evident to the listeners, like why it's funny what we're reading, and this is just like kind of earnest, quasi advice on how to invest in the stock market based on who Ross Stripling has become and how he's been hardened by Major League Baseball. <laughs> Yes, a lot in here about uh about earning reports, about um about our our favorite thing, some cash flow, lots yes. of cash flow. That's big for him in evaluating a company's uh, investment potential. A lot in here about like mindsets and discipline. Mm-hmm. Here, I did I did highlight this one paragraph about the pandemic and how the stock market has fallen since the pandemic started and made a bounce back. Here's what Ross says. With stocks, look back to the start of the pandemic when we went through one of the steepest declines in market history. The bottom just fell out. I'm 31, and up until then, everyone my age could basically throw a dart at a board for the previous decade and know the stock would go up. <laughs> Seems like a problem. <laughs> this was right. the first I mean, time. This he's, was the he's first right time. Is, the, is why it's a problem. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. Yes, yeah. This was the first time my cohort was tested. You can say you're long-term minded, but when you lose 30% in three weeks, it can be hard to hold out. This was the first time his cohort, and he's not talking about his cohort Major League Baseball players. He's talking about his cohort licensed stockbrokers. Yes. He's saying the quiet part out loud. Is he kind of based for saying this, or is he just like not (laughs) self-aware? It's better than Elon Musk, you know? At least he's... At least he's... uh, Say more about that. It is better than Elon Musk, but say more. What do you mean? At least there is is rationale behind what he's putting out here. I mean, you know, I don't know if it is better or worse, right? Is it better that he's coming at this with like a very, you know, like straight on, like business minded, um, traditional mindset? 
because that's kind of how we got here. Like, shit's pretty bad right now. I don't know if you know. And, like, the stock market and all the people who propped it up have had a played a big role in this. When he goes on to talk about how his clients were rewarded for holding the dips and they got, you know, a V-shaped recovery, I'm yeah, like... V- V-shaped recovery. I haven't heard that phrase up until now. <laughs> like, I... Hmm. I mean, good on you, Ross, for for picking out the tech stocks that would that would bounce right back. Yeah, big, big good for you, on investors. Re- on realizing that the world was already headed towards stay-at-home and software-as-service companies, the pandemic just sped it up. I mean, I'm glad he was able to profit, you know. Fintech. It's big. It's fintech. Big. So you're saying that he's better than Elon Musk because Elon Musk is just like, no, I still control the stock market and Dogecoin and all this bullshit. And Ross Stripling is a straight shooter. Is that what you're trying to say? You know, I th- it's like he's going against the grain okay. a little bit. You know, I think that. Um, so normcore that he's actually indie. He's it, right. He's good. We've come full circle to where the thing that like wasn't cool like for early, a period of time is early like cool Weezer, <laughs> right? Coming back harder than a '90s trend. Um, he has some interesting takes about crypto. Yeah, sure. Like, I didn't get that far in the article. Okay, all right. Well, he, he talked about transparency here, tipping pitches, <laughs> listeners. He talked about crypto and and meme stocks and uh, and I would just like to prefaced this with um i don't know if you heard, heard the news but uh mlb itself is getting into the the nft uh, crypto space that's a literally one of three things that i know about mlb from this past week right yeah uh anyway we're, we'll we'll talk about that but um ross uh ross isn't a huge fan he uh he says he bought some amc you know for himself at one point he lost on it uh he he gets the fomo but uh, but crypto's unregulated, Bobby. And so, if you were thinking about getting into Dogecoin, I would I would heed Ross's advice, um, and you know, look at it look at it like it's a weekend in Vegas. If you feel okay with losing everything, then by all means, jump right in. So, what Ross is saying that he doesn't like it's because it's not something that him and his cohort can control. Right. Exactly. Yes. Okay, we're going to talk about. The Supreme Court, yeah, baby, Supreme <laughs> Court hour here on Tipping Pitches. Uh, we're going to do some voicemails, and then we'll close this week with Three Up, Three Down, which we did not do last week. But before we do all of that, I am Bobby Wagner. I'm Alex Basley. And you are listening to Tipping Pitches. All right, Bobby, in this week's edition of... Worst person you know makes a great point. Nice. We're talking Supreme Court. Yes. We are we're talking SCOTUS, the old the old judges. Rank chambers. the branches of government right now. Go. Power rank the top three branches of government. Uh direct action. Uh nice. Uh lobbying. Just think corruption, yes. I think is up is up there for me That's a as good well. Theory. I'm yeah. going. Uh, I'm going legislative, executive, and then Supreme Court dead last because those are frauds. Those dudes are frauds. It is true. We should. We're not going to just. We're going to talk the next hour about abolishing the Supreme Court or packing the court or whatever the fuck it is. No, we're not. But we are going to dive somewhat deep into an actual ruling that uh, came out a little over a week ago, and actually Jerry Blevins 
mentioned it in passing on last week's episode, but I wanted to take some time to um, actually really unpack it and pull apart what it means for Major League Baseball. And of course, I'm referring to the Supreme Court's ruling uh, on the NCAA and compensation for college athletes, which came down like an absolute hammer, um, a really big victory for amateur athletes actually getting paid what what they're worth, right? It's no it's no union. Uh, and frankly, they're still not even getting paid to play, but it's a it, it's a win nonetheless. Um, and it's gonna have a lot of effects rippling across the sports world, including in one major league baseball. Yes. Which uh big big antitrust guys over there. I don't know if you've heard of this. I have heard of it, yes. A core tenant of the NCAA's ruling um, that held that the NCAA could not bar players from receiving compensation was that we have things like antitrust laws uh, in this country, which it's one of know, the few things this country has done right. You know, r- right? Exactly. Yes. Wouldn't have needed you, to make those rules in the first place if we didn't have unfettered capitalism. But we'll talk about that basically every other episode of this podcast. Exactly. Yes, but it means you can't set the market, right? You have to actually allow for some level of competition because that's, you know, that's America, baby. Competition. Yes. I'm always competing with you on this podcast. You are always competing with me on this podcast. To see who can have to do the most retakes that get edited out (laughs) in a single episode. The the court was unanimous in this decision. um, And uh, and this is that bipartisanship that I've been hearing about. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, next week, Joe Manchin and why the filibuster could, uh, I don't know, bring about true change in Major League Baseball. Yeah. That felt like Mad Libs. We did good there. Yeah, that was tough. Uh, Neil Gorsuch wrote the, uh, wrote the opinion and he had some really interesting things to say, uh, about Major League Baseball and its antitrust exemption, which It's the only major sports league to do so. And I'll just read uh, directly from him here. You have always been waiting for your opportunity to be Justice Neil Gorsuch on a podcast. I know that about you. Yes, I have. I honestly, I mean, we're going to, I'm going to say some worse justices names here in a second too. Okay, great. Um, But he says, uh, to be sure this court once dallied, they dallied with uh, something that looks a bit like an antitrust exemption for professional baseball. He goes on and says, but this court has refused to extend federal baseball's reasoning to other sports leagues and has even acknowledged criticisms of the decision as unrealistic and inconsistent and aberrational. Now, he's referring to the 1922 ruling uh, Federal Baseball Club of Baltimore, Inc. versus National League of Professional Baseball Clubs. Some of you might remember that we we talked about this in depth um, a, a couple months ago, but this is interesting because it reads a little bit like a challenge. It reads a little bit like he is saying, look, we've recognized that this thing is a little out of character and we don't hold room for any other sports league to receive any sort of antitrust exemption. And courts have acknowledged in the past that this thing is a little irregular. This thing is a little weird. He goes on and says whether an antitrust violation exists necessarily depends on a careful analysis of market realities. If those market realities change, so may the legal analysis. Do you think that the market reality has maybe changed 
Bobby since 1922? Well, seeing as the original justification for handing out the antitrust exemption was that baseball is not interstate commerce, so therefore there cannot be antitrust laws applied to it because it's just only confined within states. Yeah, Alex, I think that the market realities have changed. When I log into my MLB.tv and it geolocates me to not be in the Los Angeles market, or when it geolocates me to not be in the New York City market, I think there's something interstate going on there. Mm-hmm. You know, when uh, when a game is being played in Minnesota and they go to replay review and they have to call someone on Fifth Avenue in New York to tell them whether the call was right, I think that that happens to be interstate. Yeah, I know that like when you, the, commerce, when you have a min- the commerce element of it is important, right? Like the, I think that there's money being passed across state lines. There's like literally revenue sharing <laughs> that's <laughs> right. happening among all 30 teams who are in different states. Right. Well, no, I think actually just Major League Baseball just has an office in each state. Like Major League Baseball is not one entity. I mean, despite Rob Manfred's right. desire for one I'm a fan one, of Major League Baseball, Baseball California, and you're a fan of Major League Baseball New York. New York. Right. Yes. Exactly. That's yeah. why I go to see the team. And the fact that the A's have a minor league team in Las Vegas and that's where they call guys up from. They just pull employees from a different state. That's, I mean, that makes sense to me. That still feels like it's happening in one state overall. You can't deny that a pop fly has never been hit from one state to another. So MLB still has a case here. Well, the the, the broadcaster's favorite call is that X player just hit a home run to a different state. So that's the real interstate commerce. If Maybe you, we, yeah, we need to get Matt Vaskersian on the line and see what he thinks about the whole interstate commerce question. <laughs> right, exactly. I think John Sterling said that a Yankees player hit one to Detroit this past week, and it was yeah. like a... It was like a 370-foot home run or something. Yeah, he like scraped like the right field wall in Yankee <laughs> Stadium, known to be the shortest porch out there. Right. Um, no, this this was... Okay, so this was really interesting, the way that they brought up Major League Baseball specifically and named it as kind of one of the reasons that they are not going to let the NCAA continue to do this. How absurd it is that they let MLB do this. It would lead you to believe that the antitrust exemption is kind of fucked if anybody challenges it in the Supreme Court. But, I mean, that's kind of a big if, right? Like, the Supreme Court, I have heard, has a lot of things on their plate. And they hear a lot of cases. And They do They do take on a case or two every so often. A case, sort of, I mean, without getting too deep into, like, the... Without without turning this into a more-than-perfect episode, Alex. Like, a, for a case to even get to the Supreme Court, it has to be started, like, very low in the courts and then, like, raised up through many different challenges and and make it all the way to the Supreme Court for them to even share this opinion when it has the ability to change or overturn uh, MLB's antitrust exemption. I don't think that this is something that will happen anytime soon, and I don't think that like the owners are expecting it to happen anytime soon, but I do think that we've based all parties have acknowledged, including the literal justices on the Supreme Court, how absurd the antitrust exemption is, and yet in this weird, bureaucratic, fucked up country, we just still have it. Like It's just going to be there for years. And continue to affect the day-to-day lives of the most vulnerable people in the baseball ecosystem, which are minor leaguers. And this is where I wanted to bring up, you know, our friends at Advocates for Minor Leaguers have been tweeting a lot. They've been doing incredible work over the last few weeks, exposing some of the shit that MLB clubs are doing to their minor leaguers this season. Um, And whether that be not providing them affordable or adequate housing when they're on the road or not giving them enough money to be able to afford their own hotel prices because they make them pay for those in certain instances. 
or whether it be something like not paying them to be at spring training, which is not required as part of the minor league baseball worker agreement, but is like the type of thing that if you're a major league baseball club, you should just do out of your own, the goodness of your own heart, which they've been proving does not exist for most major league baseball clubs. So I'll lay out the facts. I mean, I guess I can lay out the facts a little bit more in detail for that. So if you're a minor leaguer, you're only required to get paid when you're playing during the minor league baseball season. You're playing actual games during the championship minor league baseball season. They can pay you for those months out of the year. And any other time where you're not playing on that roster, you're not playing those games in double A AA or triple A or high A or whatever it is, the team is not required to give you money, even though you're doing work for them. So if you're at extended spring training right now, the team doesn't have to pay you for that. That's how it's outlined in the agreement. And the antitrust exemption, to tie it back, is part of the thing that gives Major League Baseball the authority to just be like, no, nah, fuck off. Like, to set the market, to use a phrase that you used earlier. For them to all kind of agree to be like, we don't have to pay our minor leaguers when they're at spring training. Things like the antitrust exemption give MLB the power to do that. So this is a big deal. This is a big deal that this happened. Right. Well, and you mentioned advocates for minor leaguers who perhaps not coincidentally actually submitted an amicus curiae brief for this case exactly, right? Talking about the similarities between minor leaguers and and college really athletes. getting into the weeds here with the legalese. I love that. I know, right? Yes. Like you said, there's nothing guaranteed and there's nothing that's going to happen anytime soon. The, the the court in in recent years has even declined to take on cases involving minor leaguers and and pay. Um and like you said, it's dependent on lower courts that are lower down on the food chain actually saying, yes, we think this is worth taking up, right? When San Jose sued Major League Baseball for declining to allow the A's to move there, they were they were rejected twice, right? Even though those judges acknowledged that this is a pretty fucked up situation <laughs> for them, right? That it doesn't really quite make sense. I'd like to read a, another quote from an equally um, pernicious justice on the court. Um, that's when Brett Kavanaugh you uh, you may recall that that a a large part of the argument for minor leaguers being paid sub sub minimum wages is that they're essentially apprentices, they're they're interns, they're doing this to gain experience, right? It's part of the grind. It's for the love of the game, right? And you are you're going through these trials so that you can reach major league baseball and eventually get this payout. But in the meantime, you're playing because. Because you love it, right? I guys, can't believe that guys the actual dudes. laws and legal justification for this stuff just reads like a Phil Mushnick column. Like, it's yes. unbelievable, the stupidity of the world that we live in. Yes. Well, which makes uh, Justice Kavanaugh's uh, quote even more interesting when he says, Law firms cannot conspire to cabin lawyers' salaries in the name of providing legal services out of a, quote, love of the law. Hospitals cannot agree to cap nurses' incomes in order to create a, quote, purer form of helping the sick. Yes. This is woke as fuck. Uh, oh, my God. This is, like, the worst thing I have I feel like I've ever had. To, like, saying name doesn't even hold a candle to this. Really? You're going to make me bust out the bleep button this early on? Well, if I have to literally quote Brett Kavanaugh, then yes. Yes, I will make you do that. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. Um, 
interesting that that these justices feel that way about you know not artificially suppressing um, salaries and wages for the regular workers of the world. I wonder how they feel about unions. Hmm. Probably pro would be my guess. Yeah, definitely, definitely pro union. Uh, okay, last thing on this. There's a quote from the uh, Harry Marino, who's the executive director of Advocates for Minor Leaguers. That sort of speaks to that final point about should we should we start to expect this to get run up the uh, judicial ladder to eventually make it to the Supreme Court? And he says, I think that today's opinion signals that the current composition of the Supreme Court has a significant skepticism about baseball's antitrust exemption. I read their segment of the opinion about the antitrust opinion as an invitation to litigants to raise the issue in front of the court. So he's hitting on a couple of things there, right? Like he's hitting on this is how they think. So you think that that's how they might rule, even though these people change their minds all the time, the drop of a hat. Um, but he's also pressing on the idea that the courts in this country are so fickle, like they run with the political winds. And this is sort of like an in-favor thing for them to invite litigants into now. But why wasn't it when you brought up the same thing for San Jose like five years ago? Baseball is just as much interstate commerce then as it is now. And it's just as different as it, was in 1910 or whatever whenever they gave this antitrust exemption so it's all just we're all just giving into the contradictions that is america and the supreme court and how laws are made and how it affects the lowest rung workers in specific industries right if if just like three or four years apart the you know supposed legal scholars can have differing readings on baseball's antitrust exemption and the the laws that protect them and whether they are valid or not, like maybe that that says something about who we're relying on to make these hard and fast decisions. Obviously, to hell with the antitrust exemption. I think that I could say speak for both of us oh, when I say abso- that. No, I think it's great. Are you kidding me? It's the only thing keeping the A's in Oakland right now. Oh, you're a big trust guy. Yeah, big, big, big trust. <laughs> you hated Teddy Roosevelt. When you read about Teddy Roosevelt in 10th grade, it really grinded your young gears. Oh, my God. No, I thought this was about, like, like trust between people. I just have big mm. trust issues, and that's so really, like, <laughs> I can't be antitrust. You do have trust issues. Yeah. Uh, okay. Do you want to do a couple voicemails before we go to three up, three down? Let's hit some voicemails. Any other topics that you'd like to talk about? Do you maybe want to talk about the infrastructure bill and how it relates to building new ballpark stadiums or right. What we can get into reconciliation. Yes. Yes. Uh, no, let's do, let's do some voicemails. Hey guys. Uh, long time. Well, relatively new, but it felt like a long time listening to you guys because you're so awesome and it's changed my life. Uh, anyway, big Rockies fan here. And I have a lot of things that I could call and, complain about which i know other rockies fans have also called and complained about so i'm going to call and complain about the pertinent thing this week which is um have you seen the god-awful all-star uniforms guys they look like shit i don't i don't know what happened you guys watch a lot of house you're a huge ace fan you get to see what might be the best jerseys in professional sports? It might just be the best. That green and gold might be the best combination of all time in anything. Um, so this is going to be an affront to your eyes specifically, more than those of us that don't get as many uh, 
Oakland games in front of our faces. But I don't really know what I'm trying to say with this other than, yeah, the uniforms suck. Kind of feels like they're just trying to throw this all-star game together and give it as much of an Atlanta feel as they can while doing it in Denver instead and ruining just another thing that I love. So, thanks. Alex, I like to think of us as a, as basically a baseball jersey podcast at this point. Yes. Whether we it's are the arguing about should jerseys exist or should they all just be jerseys or whether it's arguing about the price point or even setting the price point as our listeners let us do a couple weeks ago. We're a jersey podcast. We're a design podcast. We are here to talk about fashion and nothing else. So with that being said, would you like to share your opinion on the 2021 Denver, Colorado Major League Baseball All-Star uniforms? Uh, no, not, not, not particularly. You're um, abstaining? Abstaining? <laughs> that, so I, I'll say that this uh, was in my three up, three down. So uh, I I feel a little scooped here. Oh my god! I also think that like the the discourse went into overdrive when these dropped. You know, like I just woke up and my timeline was flooded with this, and I was like, I already like I should we make that the first segment of this podcast? Discourse overdrive. <laughs> yes. Should we title it that? It's pretty good. <laughs> yes, that's my punk band's new album coming out this fall. Yeah. Dude, I don't know what's what's going on over there. At Major League Baseball's headquarters. Mm-hmm. They were like, they took the, the 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 guy who designed the hats. They were like, okay, we got you with like a little makeup action here. They're like, you got just do something like really online. inoffensive. We felt really bad. Yeah, we're gonna give, we're you, gonna give you, shot. you. Yeah, exactly. And he was like, what if we put a Hawaiian shirt under the jerseys? And base, baseball was like, okay, yeah, that's. I actually kind of like where your head is at there. I. Okay. Many people were like, graphic design is my passion when they saw this. This is not graphic design is my passion. This is like graphic design is my homework assignment and it's the night before it's due. These jerseys are really bad. Really bad. And I don't know how it makes it this far. I I have serious questions about MLB's process for something like this. That a jersey that looks like this makes it this far to the point where it's like, okay. Jacob DeGrom's going to wear that when he starts the All-Star game. I like really am, am at a, a bit of a loss for words because I think that everything that's been said has has kind of already been said. I will say that like the hats are are not bad. I get no, like th- they are trying to allude to obviously it being in Colorado. I MLB's like big thing is just like pasting one thing over another thing and just being like it represents both. Have you heard of this la- layers feature in Photoshop, Alex? <laughs> yes, MLB was like, let's make 12, please. But like the point of the All-Star game is that you have a perhaps not the point of the All-Star game, but these days <laughs> the now point, the n- point of here we go. That you're about to hear the point of the All-Star game. Well, now that there's no meaning to it, like, right, now that it doesn't determine anything, oh, the right. point of it is largely just a showcase, right, of players, of, of the best players in the league, of the, and, and the players' individuality in a respect. And this just looks like everyone's playing for the same team. And that is, uh, that's kind of lame. 
it's now just a fun hang, right? Like we're just there to have fun. And I guess it doesn't really matter how dumb you look while you're having fun. If there's anything it's... that karaoke with you has taught me, it doesn't matter how dumb we look while we're having fun, Alex. It, do you, do you we think that like this is just kind of like a false flag situation that MLB is throwing out there <laughs> to just about? to um in advance of the labor negotiations to distract players from the real issues? You know, like if they go uh, to the negotiating table and they're just like, okay, we'll fucking give you expanded playoffs if you stop making us wear this shit. Like, please, this is an affront to culture, to I society. Love, I love where your head is at. I I love where your head is at excellent work by you we'll explore this more in a future podcast uh should we go to the next voicemail yes hey bobby and alex uh first time caller uh really enjoying the podcast and we're allegedly new listener i just wanted to call in and kind of basically talk through my first ballpark experience post post back uh I'm a Rangers fan, and so a lot of complicated feelings. But it was nice to get back to the ballpark, but it was a new ballpark that was publicly funded. It was nice, but not $1.2 billion nice. Uh, Had a fun time hanging out with friends. Did not have fun paying uh, $100 for three beers and a pizza. Uh, The Rangers won but they won in uh, Manfred Ball extra innings. And I just can't get over how just weird it feels to be a baseball fan right now. As much as, like, the fun moments are fun, I feel like all I did during the game was complain to my my less baseball-savvy friends about all the new things that are going on. And I just wonder at what point, not not that I can like uncritically watch baseball, but I can watch baseball with friends and not have to explain how the league is screwing up the ball or about how the new stadium sucks for whatever reason. Love to hear your thoughts. Bye. I think to some extent, that question is, it's like already a little bit of a Pandora's box. Like we've already let it loose. Once you start criticizing all these things about Major League Baseball, it's going to be very hard to watch it uh, without doing those things. However, I, I think that like you probably could get to a point where you're having a good time uh, without thinking about like the ball or thinking about Manfred. Now, the runner on second rule is flagrant and offensive and I don't know how, how I'm ever going to get past that one but the rest of it like the expensive food the expensive drinks the inaccessibility the public funding for the ballpark like that stuff is never going to go away am I right in that Alex you and I still talk about that stuff anytime we go to a baseball game together yes I th- I mean I am positive that everyone who knows me is sick of me like whining about baseball you know it's the kind of thing where you you're like oh yeah. like you're a baseball fan like what are you a fan of i'm like <sighs> complaining about all the shit they're doing like i don't like i can't no, have a normal conversation with anyone anymore <laughs> no you're killing you you're giving credence to all the people who are like you guys don't actually like baseball it's true no we don't like it we just love it right exactly it's like you know it's 
it's like when you have an estranged relationship with your with your family, you know, like where it's kind of like, yeah, I love I love them, but like I don't I don't like them. But also, you pay to go to hang out with them hundreds of dollars every couple weeks. Yes, that's what I'm it's a fucked up relationship. It's man. very I toxic. really need to talk to my therapist Incredibly, about this. Yeah. Uh, once baseball starts coming up in therapy, then <laughs> we have a real problem <laughs> on our hands. Um. I want to talk a little bit more about price point for food and drink later on in three up, three down. So let's not focus too much on that. Um, I do think that like when you're a fan of a bad team, this stuff comes up a lot more often. Uh, I've been there. I've gone to Mets games where the C team was out there and they were 20 games out of first place. And I'm like, just sitting there being like Rob Manford ruined this. I can't believe he lets the Wilpon still own this team, all that stuff. If the Rangers get good again, or if you were at a game in 2011 and you know Prince Fielder and Josh Hamilton were hitting dingers, it would feel a little bit better. And that is the tricky double-edged sort of baseball fandom right there, is that they, they woo you into forgetting about all of the bad shit when they show you the really good shit. And I, I don't totally have an answer for that. Nope, my answer is to keep buying $14 beers and... <laughs> Turn yourself over. Yeah, exactly. Give in. But do it with an active mindset. We're reactionaries that ultimately just fall on, fuck, I guess I'll just watch. Yeah. There's what no conscious consumerism under capitalism, so you might as well enjoy baseball. Oh, <laughs> uh, final voicemail? Yes. Hello. Um, I am sort of a new fan of the podcast, but I've really been enjoying listening. And a couple weeks ago, you all talked about sort of the new presence of gambling and especially like betting in sports in general, but particularly in MLB. Um, and as a national fan, I've been noticing it a ton um, on the broadcast, on their social media, at the ballpark. Um, but I noticed the last time I went to National Park that before the game, they play this like, I don't know, I, I, guess, I guess I would call it a PSA, like a gambling PSA about gambling addiction and how to know if you have a problem. Um, and, you know, it's nice that they're acknowledging that gambling addiction can be a problem. That's great. But it just seems a little odd to me that they are pushing betting so aggressively. Um, and then they just sort of throw this little sprinkle in there of, like, by the way, you might have a problem with it. Um, anyways, I was just curious what you all what y'all's thoughts on it was. And then I'm curious if any other teams are doing this as well. Where they kind of try to like cover cover themselves, I guess. Um, I don't know. It just seems a little strange to me. But maybe I'm just a very cynical person. Um, all right, all. Well, thanks for listening. Looking forward to hearing the response. This is a great call, and I had no idea about this. I have I have not personally seen this in my visits to two major league baseball stadiums this year. Neither have I. It, it doesn't surprise me, but it is kind of funny that they're they're acknowledging it, you know. Yeah, like this, like this caller said, like like, hey, you know, please do this, engage with our sport. Also, know when you have a problem, guys. It's like making people sign a waiver before they get on a particularly scary amusement park ride. Right, we are not liable for the thing that we are uh, highly encouraging you to do right now. Yes, exactly. Uh, that's the law, baby. That's how it works. Um, this is a, 
a really good question. And I think that this caller basically made all of the points that I would have made. Like, it's good that they're doing this, I suppose. It's better than not doing it. But it also is sort of, it's contradictory. The fact that they're, like, it's drawing attention to the contradiction that is the presence of gambling in sports. Like, if you're saying that a gambling addiction is a problem that a lot of people might face, then why are you also like aggressively pushing these things very quickly? And it's been this really sudden change overnight that you and I and a lot of other people have noticed and have sort of raised some cause for concern on because it's not subtle the way that stuff has changed, but it is kind of subtle how serious a gambling addiction might be. You know, it'd be like, you know, we're used to the presence of other addictive things at the ballpark, right? Like there's there's alcohol. Plenty of people have alcohol addictions as well, but it didn't just happen overnight. Like they didn't stop selling or they didn't they didn't not sell alcohol for decades and decades and decades. And then all of a sudden, everywhere you turned, there was a cart to buy beer. That's the equivalent of what's happened in gambling. And it's it's a really serious cause for concern. So. I don't know the fact that the nationals say that and like acknowledge that, but then also are one of the teams that is really pushing it hard in all aspects at the ballpark on the broadcast, et cetera, et cetera. It just speaks to sort of how contradictory MLB has been about the gambling thing from the very beginning of the season. Yeah. There's a lot of normalizing of it going on, right? Including it in broadcasts, including it in game roundups, including it in the little ticker you know, that scrolls across the bottom of the screen that, you know, whatever team beat the spread or some shit. I don't, I don't really know how gambling works, but I, I, it is, it is wild to me seeing how far this has come from even, even like a year and a half ago. It, it has just like, like you said, changed overnight. And we already know that MOB is kind of setting itself up on a collision course with some sort of conflict of interest. The more that it uh, incorporates this into the game, you know, the, the, the deals that it has with places like MGM to exclusively um, provide information to, to betters, this sort of thing, that's already a given. But I, like you said, the, the less obvious, but perhaps more, insidious aspect of this is the is the individual impact this might have on a on a generation of fans by normalizing this sort of experience this sort of engagement and yeah it's a little it's a little scary to think about i want to just point out it doesn't need to be this way it does not need to be this integrated into baseball in order for sports betting to be legal that there's no requirement when different state legislative bodies or whatever judges ruled that sports betting could be legal in different states. They didn't say, and now the leagues have to adopt it in this way. And now the leagues have to put it in front of your face 100% of the time. It doesn't need to be this way. They're choosing for it to be this way. Major League Baseball is choosing for it to be this way for money, exclusively, just for money. They don't have a moral stance on sports betting. They don't have a moral stance on just about fucking anything, as they've shown time and time again. They're doing this for financial reasons, as they do just about every single thing. So I just think it's important to point that out because 
whether or not you like sports betting, like whether you enjoy the experience and whether it makes you more invested into the game is completely divorced of whether or not MLB needs to push it in your face. So I just think that the league has gone a little bit overboard a little bit soon in incorporating it in the way that they have. Because I think that there will be genuine negative consequences in the future because of that. Because on one side of your mouth, you're spouting out, this is a family-friendly environment where... And I'm not trying to be like the moral panic police or anything like that. But on one side of your mouth, you're, you're like, this is you're supposed to have a fun time at the ballpark. And then on the other side of your mouth, you're saying that all these people who are showing up for a fun family time at the ballpark can also do all of this sports betting. Which, if it goes wrong, and you have a, a gambling addiction, is not a family-friendly time at the ballpark. <laughs> You're you're right. It's it's like an absurd thing to think about, but it's true. Like, Sports- do you want to be an amusement park or do you want to be a casino? You can't be both. And they're trying to be both. How is this going to impact the nuclear family? That's really my my <laughs> biggest my biggest concern. I just the turned the clock back to 1950s. The 1950s, <laughs> baby. I'm gonna be writing an into Ask Polly. <laughs> um Okay, that's all for questions. Uh, that's all for voicemails this week. Uh, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, three up, three down. This episode of Tipping Pitches is sponsored by Podcorn. Podcorn is a marketplace connecting podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities, such as host read ads, interview segments, topical discussions, and more. With Podcorn, there's no middleman. That means regardless of the size of your podcast, you can hop onto their platform Set your rates and collaborate with the brands that you choose to without any exclusivities. I'm going to let listeners of this podcast in on a little secret. It's really hard to sell ads for your podcast on your own. And Podcorn makes that process so much smoother, so much easier. You get on the platform, you see the brands listed right there, you see what they're looking for. It's about as easy as it gets in this industry. You also never have to give up any of your rights, which, as you can imagine, for for small podcasters like us, uh, that's that's key. Click the link in our show notes right now to sign up for Podcorn and start browsing sponsorship opportunities today. All right, Bobby, let's run through our three up, three downs. What are you What are you feeling like? Should we start with upper upper down first this week? We can start with uh, up. Let's start with up. Okay. Yeah, that's good. I'm down. No, you're up. <laughs> Who's on first? Boo. I want you to start. Okay, yes. My first up this week, Shohei Otani. Oh, in, same. In the goddamn motherfucking home run derby. Same, same. I wrote that first, Tight. too. I don't even feel bad that we chose the same one here. There was I, a I clear, obvious know. number yeah. one choice for what was up this week. Yes. This is going to be an absolute blast. Honestly, he's kind I'm of so like excited for this. Tailor made for the MLB uh, home run derby. Like yeah. he's a young burgeoning star, lefty, beautiful swing, easy power, easy power. This is the guy that you want in the home run derby. Alex Bregman, whatever, wonderful baseball player. Maybe she did, maybe didn't. You have an opinion about Alex <laughs> Bregman? That's fine. He hits a lot of home runs in games, but watching him in the home run derby it was like he looks like he's swinging a little too hard and Otani never looks like he's swinging too hard even though it looks pretty violent when he swings yeah no it's it's effortless yes 
Yes, like you said. Well, I you know we won't we won't be receiving Tatis in the home run derby this year. That's fine. Which is fine. Dude has to <laughs> look out for himself. I know that the home run derby has a has a uh, certain connotation that is associated with it and how it impacts players and their swings and there's you know dare I say a certain a certain curse that's been floated around right with participation in the home run derby. So. You know, I make of that what you will, but we'll we'll knock on wood uh, very aggressively and uh, and just enjoy some goddamn dingers. Yeah, from Showtime. Well, speaking of Tatis and speaking of home runs, my second up this week. I, we share the same first up. My second up this week is Tatis's three home run game, uh, which was just unbelievable. Like it's just instilling shock and awe in new and exciting ways every week with the way he plays. I was uh, at the Dodgers game during this, and I just kept getting, I get notifications for every Major League Baseball home run because I'm a sicko. Uh, and I just kept getting notifications for Tatis, another home run. Tatis, another home run. Tatis, another home run. And I'm like sitting there freaking out. I'm like trying to bring up the MLB TV of the Padres game so I can watch his next at bat to see if he hits the fourth home run while I'm at Dodger Stadium watching another game in person. And they're, you know, the Dodgers are putting up the National League home run leaders and it still says Tatis 22. And I'm like, better update that because he's got 25 now. <laughs> and he is just, he's out of this world. He's on another planet right now. His, he basically threw, you know, three-ish seasons because his first season was injury shortened. His second season was the pandemic season. And his third season is now. So through, I guess, like two, two and change worth of games, is OPSing over a thousand as a shortstop with great base running and magnetic charm and personality to go with it. And I just don't, I don't know what to do about it. Like, I don't know how to internalize it and process it and not freak out about it all the time. I feel like I'm just yelling at strangers on the street. Go watch Fernando <laughs> Tatis. It's so crazy to me that we are in this time of. You know, moral panic over the integrity of the game and whether pitchers are too good and are pitchers cheating because they are that's how good they are right and at the same time we are seeing just absolute generational talented hitters generationally talented hitters players do things we have never seen done before it's mind-boggling to me. I don't. I don't know how to process it. Yes. Right. Yeah. Pitchers. Pitchers are better than they have ever been before. And meanwhile, yet certain hitters are better than previous hitters. Like it's yeah. So what? Like what does that say? I don't even know. It's just too much to even process. Okay. Um. Second up for you. Second up for me. Accountability. We love that from. From famous people, baseball players. Mm-hmm. I'm a. I'm a big fan of uh of admitting when you have done something wrong that's why it was great to see our good friend ross stripling okay come out and apologize for his on-field behavior towards a friend of the pod joe panic i didn't even see this how did i miss this wow okay well this was actually like a like a week and a half ago i again we're we're kind of treading old whenever we have a guest on and we and we skip three up three down we usually have to like shunt two two weeks worth of content into one pod um so anyway ross People dribbling need content alex put it in the vein baby 
They need the content, yes, as much as we can uh, we can get them. When Jerry said last week, I love all your guys' content, I know he meant it in like an earnest way, but anytime someone says the word content, I'm like, I feel like you're making fun of us. <laughs> right, exactly. I love your content, bro. Ross Stripling induced a, a ground ball to uh, Joe Panic, who was playing third base. Third baseman, Joe Panic, And... It was a dribbling ball at the third baseline. Giancarlo Stanton was the runner. Uh, Panic charges in and makes makes a kind of an off balance, bare handed throw. Even though Stanton was kind of just jogging, clearly didn't anticipate being safe. Um, and as soon Stanton, as Panic, no hustle. Yes, honestly, yeah, that's uh, actually my down this week is that Stanton, Giancarlo Stanton didn't hustle, hustle out of the box. Yeah. yeah, but as soon as Panic lets go of the ball, Stripling has just an incredible outburst um, of being like the, the ball sails over the first baseman's head. I'll just say that the it's and like not even close. It's a, it's a really bad throw and stripling is angry <laughs> and you can see him mouth. Like what the fuck? He, he was jogging. He wasn't even running. Right. Why did you rush that throw? Why did you make the bare hand throw? He, he like, slams his glove on the ground he is mad oh my god like it's not it's it's not great if i'm if i'm being quite honest like he's really showing up his player there it's a it's a bad look all around not what you want do do you think he does that when like someone invests in crypto what the fuck panic hasn't made his v-shaped recovery yet from this moment (laughs) right exactly stripling to his credit came out after the game and says it's the most disrespectful thing i've ever done Maybe ever, certainly on a baseball field. I'm completely embarrassed about it. I simply get, let the moment get too big for me. Honestly, I'm mortified by it. I can't stand that's the way it went. I apologize to Joe individually. I even address the team because I feel so bad about it. That can't happen. That should never happen. It'll never happen again for me. I promise you that. Wow. That's so nice. Yeah, right? Nice work, should, Ross. Should Ross Dripling start becoming like a, a consultant on celebrity notes apologies yeah uh crisis pr yeah does he have his license in crisis management as well as stockbroking it's a lot better than 99 percent of the apologies we see from most celebrities yeah so i well he actually said what he did wrong (laughs) yeah so uh anyway uh great moment from ross stripling there and joe panic i hear is just the nicest guy ever so you could see why Ross Stripling would feel compelled to apologize to Joe Panic. Yeah. Plus, I mean, you got Joe playing at third base, not his natural position. What do you want from him? He's just doing his best out there. He's just trying. He's just trying, grinding for his guy. Yeah, seriously. Uh, okay. Third up for me this week is the Philadelphia Phillies defense. <laughs> <laughs> this is just a really selfish one because the, de- the, Phil- the Phillies defense basically won the Mets two games this week. Uh, it looks like they're going to lose the fourth game of a four-game set against Zach Wheeler right now. They're down 4 nothing, and uh, Wheeler is pitching really well. But in two of the games in this weekend series, uh, the Phillies literally just botched it. They just put it on a plate for the Mets. And as a fan, you know, you love when your team performs. You love when your team really proves that they can do it, get it done, is playing really well, is clicking on all cylinders. You know, much like the Athletics are doing this year. They're phenomenal, but a phenomenal baseball team. Um, But you also don't mind when the other team gives it away to you because you store that one 
in your back pocket. You store it in the back of your mind, and you remember the next time your team gives one away. And it just kind of quells that angst a little bit. Because you're like, you know, we shouldn't have got that one against the Phillies three weeks ago. So it doesn't hurt quite as much when we walk in the winning run in August. And that's the life of being a fan. You just got to do these things to keep yourself sane, Alex. Thanks to Hector Neres, too. <laughs> yeah, that Phillies bullpen is something else, huh? It's really bad. It's almost as bad as the uh, infield corner defense. Alec Bohm, <laughs> really tough. Reese Hoskins, even tougher at first base. At least Reese Hoskins can hit, unlike Alec Bohm, who looks like Chris Bryant if the Monstars took all of his talent. Yeah, Phillies bullpen giving away giving away wins like they're they're Democrats giving wins to Republicans. Ooh. You know, just left and right. Nice, nice. And we don't want it. It's fine. You have it. No, seriously, you have it. <laughs> yeah, seriously, it's all yours. It's all yours. We don't care that much. All right, your final up this week. My final up this week is the the new Faye Webster album. Music specifically, hour. music hour, specifically her song. A dream with a baseball player, which is, wouldn't you know it, about one Ronald Acuna Jr. I too dream about Ronald Acuna Jr. It's off her new album. I know I'm funny, haha. Which <laughs> great title. Um, big Fay Webster fan. Just gonna put it out there. Her little uh, that's a way indie, better title than folksy Discourse R&B. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> wow. All right, come for my come for my band. I thought that was the uh, title of your album. Not your band. Well, we know that. Yeah, we know the title of your famous album. New York City punk rock band, but I won't share it here. <laughs> uh, she, she Webster says of the song "End of Acuna." Uh, it's a it's a song about Ronald Acuna Jr. Obviously, off tour, I spent so much of my time watching baseball that I thought I wanted to be a baseball player, but I'm not. So I guess the next best thing was having a crush on one. Which is so true. Yes. That's what being a baseball fan is. I wasn't good enough to be out here, so I guess I'm just in love with all of these guys. Yep. As evidenced by the fact that everybody was freaking out in this past week and a half when uh, pitchers had to take their pants off. (laughs) Yep. Which hasn't even come out to this point yet. I'm proud of us. I'm proud of us. I know. We've had a real podcast so far, and we haven't even joked about Jacob deGrom taking his pants off. (laughs) Right, or Shohei Otani being way too kind to the umpires who were checking him for you know, foreign belt? substances. Yes, no, yes. Yeah. It's like how yeah. I treat the TSA agents, which I know you tweeted that basically right, just already. reading my tweets yeah, now. <laughs> just reading your tweets already. But, you know, you make a little friend with a TSA agent, and you're like, what do you think, belt on, off? And they're oh, every single time they're like, I would just take it off. And they're like, no. Nah. Yeah. It's like they don't think it's cute that I ask them that. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> One time some TSA agent told me that like I didn't have to take it off. And now that's just like in my head as like maybe this will be the time that I also don't have to. I know. First time I went back to the airport uh, since I got vaccinated, I forgot to take my shoes off. And they were like, dude, take your shoes off. And I was like, can you just cut me some slack? Yeah, come on, dude. I haven't had to put my shoes on for a year. Now you want me to take them off and put them back on? Come on. (laughs) Uh, Okay, should we go to our downs? Yeah, my first down, I alluded to it earlier. uh, It's MLB ballpark pricing, which tickets, whatever. We know the price of tickets are out of control and have been out of control. We've been able to find decently priced tickets for the games that we've gone to so far. But the concessions pricing is out of control. It's completely flown the coop. It's beyond repair without blowing it up and resetting it. We got to do something to fix this because $17.75 for a beer is 
actually criminal. It is actually fucking… I don't know what business crime term we could use here, Alex. We've talked a lot about the terms racketeering. We've talked a lot about the terms embezzlement. It's, it, I don't think it's either of those things. I'm not entirely sure. I don't think it's either of those things. But it's price fixing. It's price fixing. And I don't know if the if banning the antitrust exemption can help us here. I don't I don't think it can. Um, but it's just like it's not tenable. It's not tenable. It's it reminds me of how movie theaters know they're dying, so they're just like to appease the shot the the to appease the shareholders, they're like, we'll make popcorn $83 for one bucket. And yet the lines are around the corner still, and people are paying for the beer. So maybe I'm fucking wrong. I don't know. Yeah, right. That's supply and demand right there. It's just they could keep bumping the prices and people would buy it because you don't have a choice. Right. 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 They're setting the demand. I, I understand it. Like I get it. The whole captive audience. Like I, I know. And if I don't want to pay it, I should just not have it, I guess. But I think that that sucks. Like because this is all the stuff that we've kind of forgotten about in the last year with the pandemic. Like we've forgotten to be mad at beer prices because we've been much more worried about much more serious things. But I genuinely do find it offensive and I try not to complain about it the way that you were joking about how all of your friends are, all of our friends are sick of hearing you complain about the same seven baseball things when we go to games together. But it's just like, who do you want to be for? And I guess this ties even back to our gambling conversation. Major League Baseball, you're looking at the experience of the fans. Who is that fan? When you're envisioning who comes to your games and who is a diehard baseball fan. Or it's obviously not one archetype of a person, but how many different types of archetypes are you letting into the ballpark and letting have a good time? And that number is dwindling. The more you raise the beer prices, the more you make it expensive, the more you shove gambling in people's faces, the amount of people that baseball is for is getting smaller. And I'm just frequently disappointed by that experience the more and more i think about it it is pretty incredible when you zoom out a little bit and look at all the kind of self-made problems that major league baseball has at this point and you say huh i i wonder if this has anything to do with all the 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 quote-unquote like issues with fan engagement and declining ratings or supposed declining revenues you know like Again, all of these things have double meanings, but the point is that the the product isn't getting better. So why are you expecting more fans to come? I don't know. Yeah. And I, I mean, like the product against all odds is getting better because of the players. Right. The experience of like trying to consume that better product is just harder. True. And there's more barriers to everything. I feel this way about like basically everything in society now. It's just harder to do stuff than it used to be because of like all of those corporate rent seekers at each stage of the process. Even if you want to buy a ticket nowadays, it's kind of hard to go find the ticket that you want on Dodgers.com. And then maybe you go to a secondary market and then you get charged all of these fees. And then you have to deal with finding the ticket from the person who sold it to you. And then I just, in in the interest of making things more accessible or in the stated interest of making things more accessible, Every corporate entity involved in baseball has made things exponentially less accessible. Anyway, after that existential rant, what's down for you this week? 
first down for me this week. Uh, I, I alluded to it earlier, but Major League Baseball is finally getting into the crypto game. It's here, folks. NFTs, FTX US is going to become MLB's first ever umpire uniform patch partner. And this is big. Yes. This is really this is really big. I mean, the visibility of that is absurd. Right. Well, and you know who's really popular among fans, too, are umpires. My, my power rankings of most magnetic, charming, and influential people in the baseball, unif- in the baseball universe, it goes Fernando, Otani, Joe West. Obviously. Joe West. Obviously, yeah. Joe West. Yes, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fourth is La Russa, by the way. When are we going to get a patch on his jersey? Oh, God. MLB t- teased all of this with a with you know a little tweet with a picture of the moon and you know saying big things are coming tomorrow. I thought this was going to be a Field of Dreams announcement. Well, everyone thought it was going to be something way cooler than it actually was, and we should have known that it was going to literally be, literally be referencing the, the phrase "to the moon," which has come into vogue over the last. Uh, eight to 12 months or so with regards to Reddit meme stocks. Like this is where we are at in the major league baseball world right now yeah. is we're just referencing Reddit memes. And our Again, corporate I think board is very healthy. Right now. <laughs> Super healthy. <laughs> like what? It, oh gosh. Again, amusement park or casino amusement <laughs> park or casino. They're trying to be too much of a casino. Did, didn't the NFT market like crater just a couple months ago? I don't know. You know there was a Ross. massive, massive spike in like April and May, and then just things fucking imploded. Do, do you know how much time I would need to take between you asking me that question and me actually answering that question to give you a legitimate answer? I don't even know what the NFT fucking market is. I know that there are like different types of NFTs, but I don't understand what is the what is the market. Like, are you betting that those different types of M- NFTs will be worth more? <laughs> what What is going on? I understand stock options, and I understood a short long enough to talk about it when it affected Steve Cohen, but I don't understand this. And frankly, don't answer, because I don't want to. I don't want to. I think if you just go to Giphy.com, it replicates the same experience, right? It's just a bunch of images of things that happened, and you can have it if you want. No, I don't want democratize okay. more things well, is my take. I guess you don't I guess you don't want to sign up with Justin Turner's uh code to get a special Justin Turner moment. <laughs> Sorry. Is Justin Turner the least charismatic, least interesting person <laughs> whose most known moment is going out onto the field without a mask when he tested positive for COVID. Do you think that's the NFT he's going to be selling people? Is like him like hugging Absolutely, his... Absolutely, 100,000%. That's the most valuable NFT of his career. Like, it's not even yeah. up for debate. That Like, by a magnitude of a 1,000, that is his most valuable NFT. So if he's mm-hmm. not selling that, I don't want to talk. <laughs> if he's not selling the picture of him standing next to Dave Roberts' cancer survivor, yep. positive for COVID before any of the vaccines... I don't want to talk. It's so Uh, dumb. It's so stupid. We were like, we have this great democratized thing where anybody can access it. Not really, but a lot of people can access it. It's called the internet. What if we made it even more of a walled garden? Yeah. For profit. It's no $14 beer, (laughs) but it, you know, it'll do in the meantime. Okay. 
Next on your list. Speaking of democratized things, uh, we need to undemocratize all-star voting. This is the next ah, down fuck, on my this list. This is my next one, oh, too. Oh, my God. We got to do a better job. But we need a producer. What is going on? We need, what a, is going we need on a higher here? producer. Um, the next thing, it's, it's just getting out of control. Like, Dodgers fans, you don't even cheer for Gavin Lux when he comes to the plate. Why are you trying to vote him into the all-star game? I've been at two Dodgers games this year. I haven't heard a single person be like, Gavin Lux, I love that guy. Haven't seen a single Gavin Lux jersey. And we're trying to vote him into the All-Star game? What, is it like, is this a meme stock that I don't know about? Gavin Lux to All-Star game? <laughs> to the moon? <laughs> what are we doing? This is like, do you remember when there was like the whole um, face of the MOB campaign? This is like five or six years ago. And yeah. it came down to like David Wright and Eric Sogard, because all the all the A's fans were just like, wouldn't it be funny as fuck if Eric Sogard was named the face of the MLB? And then Major League Baseball secretly like bought a bunch of votes, bought a bunch of votes from China to make sure that David Wright was the was the winner. Can we like I, can we I take need a oral break? history of no, that no, no. first of all? Well, that's what I was gonna say. Don't give this idea away for free. Can we take a break from the podcast in the off season and do a three part oral history podcast about that? Because that yes. is so funny. Yes. That is the funniest thing. That's funnier than Justin Turner selling NFTs of himself <laughs> on the field after the World Series. Uh, it's so bad, right? It's just so silly. And like, I'm not one of these people who really cares about it during the NBA All-Star Game because for the NBA All-Star Game, like, what usually happens, it's not like Nemanja Bielitsa gets voted into the M- NBA All-Star Game. It's like older stars who are past their prime who fans want to watch because it would be entertaining to see these guys still. It'd be, you know, it's entertaining to see Carmelo Anthony out there still because he has a cool jab step and fade away. But this is not that. It's not like, let's get Andrew McCutcheon to the All-Star game. It's like, let's get Gavin Lux to the All-Star game. Who, look, I like Gavin Lux as a prospect. I picked him in our Dodgers Padres draft at the Ringer. He's great. He's not an All-Star. He's just, he's simply not an all-star just because he plays in los angeles go off king that's my sports um, radio I, rant Stephen a i'm coming for you bro i said that this was my my second uh my second down this week but my uh my reading was just slightly different and that's that and that has less to do with with fan voting uh ballot box stuffing and more to do with why MLB is tinkering with their all-star game voting rules that makes it a really esoteric and uninteresting process. Did you know there are multiple rounds of all-star game voting? Like this feels like when they did the home run derby thing where they were like, it's going round by round and now it's going to be face-offs, but then we're going to switch it back for a year and then we're going to go back to face-offs and then it's going to be NL versus AL. It's like a whole thing. MLB was like, what if we made this process more esoteric? Guys, I got an idea. Come here, real close. More bureaucracy in Major League Baseball. Yes, like just do ranked choice voting at this point, honestly. Right, part of a national discourse. That's MLB engaging with the youth. Yeah. Yeah, Which Speaking of ranked choice voting, we should pour one out to uh, to celebrate uh, the end of of one Andrew Yang's mayoral campaign. Listen, he had a good run. You know, he only offended quite literally everybody that wasn't mm-hmm. a rich tech investor. Yeah. And he damn near made it all the way to the mayor's office. Do you think he's decided if he's a Yankees or a Mets fan yet? 
<laughs> I don't know, but I just want to say that's the American dream. Is offending your claim everybody on the way to the mayor's office? Pre- pretty much, yes. Like <laughs> my favorite trend in American politics, and then it ends is in losing, people, your, is, and then it ends in getting disbarred by New York State. this is my favorite trend in american politics is people losing in in races for office and thinking that that makes them qualified to run for other offices right if you think about it the old beto yeah (laughs) yang is the next beto 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 i don't know how he really wants it pronounced um i think it is beto you're right beto handsome guy saw him in person once he's everything that people said why they liked him just completely vapid no opinions but he looks good when his sleeves are rolled yeah. up no 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 opinions no no backbone just vibes. just vibes yang on the other hand looks like a terrible hang with bad opinions so i don't understand how he made it that far yeah money you i listen guess to the like man money, speak i guess in a in a crowded race if you just have more money behind you than anyone else you can pretty much stay in pretty long right you probably can't win but you can finish in the top five well, that's the thing is like he we're just go we're just going deep into this at this point. He like really just bet on the, the on the on the name recognition and then forgot that people would actually be listening to what he had to say and then everyone was like, "Wait, this is wait, this is the guy?" I'm pretty proud of New Yorkers, honestly. I'm proud of New Yorkers not electing him to the mayor, mayor's office just because he said he would send them a $1,000 check. Like if you think about it, saying that you'll send someone a thousand dollar check, even though as we, as I'm sure all listeners of this podcast know that it just comes with stripping every other social safety net, but just saying that you'll send someone a thousand dollar check is basically guaranteeing you'll do more for them than any other politician has done in their entire lives. Well, but Eric Adams said he was going to get rid of graffiti on the streets, <laughs> so I don't know. There's a reason why he's the front runner. Eric Adams. We don't have the time, and this is not no. the podcast for him. This is not the podcast for so... this. <laughs> The different videos of him like searching rooms and like finding <laughs> drugs, like I don't, it's it's too much. Um, okay, are we done talking about ranked choice voting in the MLB All Star Game? I don't know. I got more takes, but uh, but I think that we we probably need to leave soon. So, do you want to hit me with your uh, with your last down? Yes, uh, my last down this week is we're past the forty five minute mark, so I am allowed to say Trevor Bauer's name. Our last down, my last down this week is. The crazy broken brain way that media is still talking about Trevor Bauer. I'm going to read you a tweet from Bill Plunkett, who works for the Orange County Register. He was tweeting about how the Padres swept the Dodgers this week. And he was tweeting a quote from Trevor Bauer, who started the final game of that series and pitched okay. He gave up three solo home runs and they ended up losing. He took the loss. Uh, here's the here's the tweet from Bill Plunkett. Dodgers Trevor Bauer likes to speak truth to power. He might have been speaking truth to his team tonight when he said Los Angeles Dodgers got rolled by the Padres in this series because San Diego, quote, absolutely kicked our ass from an intensity standpoint. Alex, is Trevor Bauer talking to his teammates the new speaking truth to power? Who's the power in this situation? Is it Gavin Lux? (laughs) I, I will say... Teenage girls on the internet do wield a certain amount of power. So in that regard, he does speak truth to power. Really go after them. Uh, just a disastrous tweet. Just an yeah. all-time brain worms. We don't know how to talk about Trevor Bauer or anything. Tweet. Trevor Bauer likes to speak truth to power. 
he might have been speaking truth to his team tonight when he said the Dodgers got rolled. You can just say anything if you're a reporter. You can just say anything. Yeah, there's a real uh, confusion between just being an outright contrarian and actually... He's just talking. He just says his opinions. That's not speaking truth to power. Speaking truth to power means bringing light to injustices in the world. The Dodgers losing to the fucking Padres on a Wednesday is not an injustice in the world. (laughs) What are we doing? Uh, If you're a Dodgers fan, I mean... I guess. I guess. (laughs) Yeah, it's bad. Um, We need to shut down the the Trevor Bauer discourse until we can figure out what's going on. Shut it down. Throw it out the window. Whatever it takes. It has Mm -hmm. to stop. It has to stop. I can't take another one of these. I know. Okay, what's your final down this week? My final down this week, which can, uh, it could double as an up, really, because I, I enjoyed the roller coaster it took me on. Um, but, but ultimately, I just left confused. And that was uh, Scott Boris's statement about a week and a half ago. Play the hits. On, uh, yeah, we only play hits here. Uh, on, on forward substances, the, quote, abolishing of stripping agents, which that's my uh, a favorite uh, abolitionist movement right now is abolish gripping agents. No, abolish gripping agents is the name of the title track on my pop punk album from 2004. <laughs> I don't even abolish know. gripping agents or that. die trying. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to read this quote uh, from the the statement that was released to the Athletic. Which, as much as I love Scott Boris. You know, we're big Scott Boris guys here. Labor legend. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. He says, to suggest pine tar can be used on bats by the very same players that play defense is truly an umpire's conundrum. The pitcher hits using pine tar and is suspended for applying the substance to the baseball. Or the position player with pine tar on this throwing hand from the prior at bat transfers it to the ball and then both he and the pitcher are deprived of 10 days of performance for legal use of a permissible substance. I get what he's saying. The gray divide continues. (laughs) Say the last sentence again. The gray divide continues. The gray divide. That sounds like a good uh, Disney Channel original movie. Right, exactly. I think, uh, so I understand what he's saying. I do, I get it. I mean, I... I I do, but it there were a million sound, better ways to make his point. Right. It sounds like he's missing about six sentences within that. But what he's saying is if a batter can put pine tar on their hands to hit and pitchers hit, then they can go out the next inning where they have to go back and like wash their hands with isopropyl alcohol to get the pine tar off. It's just absurd. It's just absurd. So I see what he's saying. So I'm with Boris, bro. Legalize pine tar. Put it on a shirt. Sell it. Speak truth to power. <laughs> this is like this statement is just <laughs> Mans is on is on another one. He says that we've gone from the, the iterations of gripping substances and advances in performance measuring technology illustrate we've gone from the grip freeway to the performance enhancing autobahn. <laughs> the great divide continues. The great divide <laughs> continues. <laughs> The gray divide is actually just the divider on the Autobahn. Right, exactly. Okay. The gray divide was just the the the, the stocks we we rebounded on along <laughs> the way. 
Um, thanks to Scott Porras. That just about does it for another episode just of Tipping Pitches. Uh, we keep going, I guess. We could we could put out a bonus Patreon episode about the failure of Eric Adams to capture the young millennial heart, but I don't think that anybody would listen to that. Nor would I. Uh, uh, I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. I think we can. I mean, I also, I, I neglected to mention that the Job Creators Network finally dropped their all-star game. Oh, season. no. Uh, no. It, it was tough. No. It was tough. Yeah. No, not the Job Creators Network. Just so you know, Just they in are going to continue to fight the good fight. Just to put out those shitty jerseys. That was a real point in their favor. That really was a real point in their favor. This would yes. never happen in Atlanta. <laughs> Where the businesses would make it better. Um, RIP to the Job Creators Network's lawsuit. Uh, thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, if you want to call into the voicemail segment, we're gonna, we have a lot of voicemails backed up from when we haven't done it the last couple of weeks. But if you want to call into the voicemail segment, please do. We will get you all of these voicemails. We promise. 785-422-5881. That is 785-422-5881. Eight, one. Email us tippingpitchespod at gmail.com if you have thoughts about the show or if you have questions and don't want your voice on the podcast. That is totally fine and understandable. Alex and I don't even want our voices on the podcast most of the time. Anything else to leave the people with, Alex? I have one more thing. Go ahead. Uh, thank you to Peter. Thank you to White Sox Past. Thank you to Andrew. Thank you to Alan, Mac, Bronte, and Kyle. For sharing pictures of themselves wearing our t-shirts on Twitter this weekend. Many of them at baseball games or at baseball activities. It's very great to see. We will continue to shout people out who buy a t-shirt and share it. Uh, now, Alex, I turn it to you. Anything else to leave the people with? Uh, this is breaking news here on the podcast. Seattle left-hander Hector Santiago was ejected after umpires found a foreign substance on his glove. Hector Santiago, bad boy. It begins. Uh-oh. First, they came for Hector, Hector Santiago, and I said said nothing because I wasn't on the Mariners. <laughs> the Great Divide continues. Thanks, everyone, for listening. <laughs> we'll talk to you next week. I could just meet him and get it over. I'll just keep wearing his name on my shirt. Hello, everybody. Uh, I'm Alex Rodriguez. Tipping pitches. Tipping pitches. This is the one that I love the most. Tipping pitches. So we'll see you next week. See ya!